You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Adam Smith. This is Mark Mars on the Earn and Invest Podcast. And you're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. My first website was selling art. I was in my late 20s and had considered spending a fortune for original artwork for my new townhome. It was the early 2000s and a magical new place on the internet called eBay provided a much cheaper price for the very same artists, the very same paintings. It took only seconds for my mind to make the connection. I could buy cheap and sell high, and all I needed was a fancy website optimized for search engines to make a bundle. I was pseudo-successful. And over the years, I've made many more websites. Some have created revenue, and others have just cost me money, time, and energy. But my dream was one in which many share. Set up the site, maximize traffic, sell something, and watch the passive income roll in. Or better yet, sell the site for millions of dollars and be done with it. A dream. A wonderful dream. But is it reality? Well... My guests today say that it could be. Hey, everybody. I'm going to do something today that I rarely do. I'm going to ask you a favor. For the next two months, I am doing a survey on Earn and Invest. This will help me figure out how to best serve you, my audience, as well as let's tell the truth, there are going to be some advertisements on the show. So I'd like to make sure those advertisements at least fit you and who you are. In order to do that, we need to know more about you. If you go to earninvest.com slash survey, again, that's earninvest.com slash S-U-R-V-E-Y. It'll only take a few minutes. Tell us about yourself, and then we can make Earn and Invest a better podcast and have it fit your needs better. On top of that, Airwave Media is going to enter you to win a $500 Amazon gift card if you go ahead and tell us about yourselves. Go to earninvest.com slash survey. Again, this will be for the next few months, and I would totally appreciate it if you would check it out. Adam Smith and Mark Mars are the co-founders of Niche Website Builders. They are experts in content production and niche site development, offering valuable insights on the growing trend of website investing. Adam and Mark, welcome to Earn and Invest. Adam, I want to start with you. Tell me about the first website you ever made money off of. 
Wow. I guess, where do I start? The first actual website where I made decent money off, I guess, money where I could, you know, uh, job replacement income was um, I was working for a digital marketing agency. I was a, a like a, a digital strategist. I was selling um, SEO strategies and digital strategies into universities and education providers. And I'd been doing this for someone else for a long time. And I known about marketplaces where you can buy and sell kind of uh, these types of websites. The, this one in particular is called Empire Flippers. And I went on there one night, I'd had some savings saved up from working my job. And there was a website on there about uh, barbecuing and grills and smokers. It was earning around three to $400 per month, passively, essentially. And it was priced at around, I think it was ten dollars or $11,000. And I bought the website and I then worked on it in the evenings and over the weekends. I was adding tons of content. I was doing lots of research. Funny fact is we don't really even have smokers here in the UK. We have barbecues <laughs> and grills, but we don't have smokers. So I bought something I really knew nothing about, to be honest. So I delved in. I joined a load of Facebook groups. I was researching competitor websites and really trying to figure out what the space was about, what the best grills were, how they worked, um, and in doing so, writing content, writing reviews, and essentially growing the website. I did that pretty much every evening and weekend for about eight months, uh, and then I sold the website for around $60,000, which at the time, the profit was more than I was making at my day job for the whole year, and I thought, I need to do more of this. How do I do more? I went and spoke to my boss literally the next day and said, I want to drop down to three days a week. How do I how do I do that? And they said, you can't. You're in a client-facing role. It's full-time. And I quit the next day with my wow. money in the bank and went and bought another one literally. Well, I, I say literally the next day. It was about five or six weeks later because I was tired doing, working a full-time job and writing content and researching in the evenings and weekends for eight months, pretty much solid. I was tired, but I quit, took some couple of weeks and and when again, and that was how I started the, the whole journey, essentially. Mark, it's an interesting question, right? Because he bought a website that was already cash flowing. When you first got into this, did you build your own websites or did you buy websites that already were selling a product? Yeah, good question. So a bit different from Adam. I, I started from scratch. So I, I built a brand new website on a fresh domain, decided to go into like, a, it was more like a cookery kind of niche. So it wasn't wasn't recipes and things like that. It was more reviewing like cookware or kind of kitchen, kitchen equipment, I guess is the way to put it. So, so I, it was making money. Well, I, I, I spent about two years on it and making money through ads, making money through Amazon affiliates. So with Amazon affiliates, um, it's like any affiliate relationship. If you, if you, write a good review about a product somebody then clicks through on your page through to amazon they can get a kickback and, a, and you can get a kickback and a commission on that sale so i was making money from that and from from ads on the site and over the course of two years got it to making like two thousand dollars a month approximately and then sold that one for around uh, seventy five thousand dollars around in that region so Adam, in a moment, we're going to talk about what a niche website actually is, because you use that term in the name of your business. But before we do, it's kind of a funny question. Do you need to be passionate about what your website is selling or what your website is about? Because Adam, I heard you say that you didn't even know about smokers, right? When you when you bought the site. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's a great question. And in, in all honesty, I think it depends. As most SEO type people will say, it depends. That's the answer <laughs> yeah, for almost and, everything. And, and SEO stands for search engine optimization, right? I think most people know that yeah. already, but just this idea that we can make our websites primed for the search engines like Google to see them. But go ahead. So I'd say um, if you were starting your own website or you were buying a website and you plan to create all the content yourself and you plan to work on it exclusively yourself and not outsource anything, I do think being passionate about the space you're in is going to be very important because you have to stay motivated. For me, the motivation for that first website came because it was my first website. I was excited. I was driven to make it a success. But most people, and we see this all the time in this space, they'll start a website in a niche that they know nothing about or they're not passionate about. And that excitement soon dies off and they get bored with the project because with SEO and with search engine optimization, it's not usually an overnight success. It's something that you have to work at for a long time. And people typically will fail in the first couple of months because they don't see that instant success and they're not passionate to keep going. On the flip side, if you were to look at this from a pure investment perspective and you weren't planning on writing the content yourself and doing lots of the work and you wanted to outsource it, I don't think it's important to be passionate about the space at all. I think you just need to understand the business model, understand what goes into making a successful niche site, and then basically look at the the process rather than and being passionate about the process rather than the actual topic itself. Adam, are you passionate about smokers now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm passionate about barbecues. It's, this is still not a big thing here in the UK. And um, funny story, I, I, uh, a brand reached out. So uh, a brand, a smoker brand reached out to me through the website back back then and said, hey, we love your website. We love what you're doing. We'd love to send you a smoker for you to review and take photos of. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I, I sent them my address back in the UK. And they were like, actually, we take it back. We thought you were in the US. We don't ship to the UK. So I still don't even have one. <laughs> So, Mark, help me explain. You know, I mentioned that word niche as in niche website builders. What is a niche website specifically? I guess a, a niche website is a site, a website that in general will cover like a specific topic, a specific a specific area. So the way that we think about niche sites is or niche sites is that we think about them as 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 blogs ultimately or content sites. People use different names for these things. But essentially we're creating co- useful content to an audience in a specific on specific topics so you know adam mentioned barbecue and smokers you know what's and, and mine was like kitchen equipment and uh, utensils and stuff so that's the way that we kind of think of a niche site and a, a niche site could you know you can expand out on a niche site over time you can start small we recommend you start very very narrow because you want to, you want to become an authority on a specific niche google likes that with the way that search engine optimization works these days, you need to, you can't be writing a, a blog on multiple different topics and expect them to rank. Google wants to see that you have some authority and you've been writing about this regularly. So you could start narrow, but then there's no reason why you can't expand that out. And it's, it's good to allow yourself some room to be able to do that. And the most obvious example I give is that you might want to start a sports site, which covers lots of different sports, but you just want to pick one to start with. You want to pick baseball or tennis and just just go at that until it's successful, until you're really starting to get some traffic. And then you can think about opening it out into other sports and things. But you and then you need to take the next sport and as, a, as an individual silo itself. 
and and then go really hard at that and so you expand it over time but you need to really be focused on one specific niche um at a time so mark let's talk about the business cuz ultimately i think a lot of people listening right now are starting to ask themselves the question do I want to get into the website business myself? Is that a good way of making money? So let's start with the first question. You both mentioned both cash flow as well as selling the site. For the new person going in, should their idea be I'm going to make some passive income through cash flow? Or is the real idea, let's build this thing up and sell it for a huge profit? This is the beauty of this business model. Now you need some you need some investment, either time or cash investment. Uh, up front but once the start, site starts making money like you say there's kind of this income that you get start getting on a monthly basis that then you can kind of go ahead and reinvest and make your your asset bigger like over time and you don't have to put in any new money uh, again and you continue to make it bigger and bigger and bigger so that you do have that kind of big sale down the road now like people like use this for different reasons we have we have um uh, customers that have like quit their day job they just they run a portfolio of a few websites they quit their day job and they just want to they want that as just replacing their their old salary that they used to have and have that on an ongoing basis what you find that people will end up doing over time is they'll create a portfolio they'll have they'll have some which are their bread and butter that they keep for cash flow on an ongoing basis and then they'll and then they'll focus heavily on kind of growing other sites with the view of selling it and then they'll sell one and then they'll start again with some more of a buying or starting from scratch. And they say once, once people become established in this space and they have thought they have a portfolio, they kind of, you end up with a mix of here's my cash flow sites and here's the sites that I'm growing to sell um, down the road. Adam is the metric we're really looking at traffic. I mean, is that the measure of success? Is that what we're really trying to do is just drive as much traffic as possible to the site? Yeah, for sure. I mean, without traffic, you don't really have revenue. And for most of our customers, the the initial primary source of income will be get as much traffic as you can and then monetize it with display ads. Now, display ads, they're not like the old school adverts where you have to go out and find advertisers manually to come and put adverts on your website. And you have to manage inventory and stuff. It's all done programmatically these days. So you sign up to an ad network. An example would be Ezoic or Mediavine. They give you a little piece of code that you put on your website and they'll automatically fill your website with adverts and pay you at the end of the month. Display ads is, is a very easy business model. And essentially, the more traffic you get, the more adverts are shown, the more revenue you make. And to give you an idea of kind of what that revenue model looks like, it depends based on the niche and it depends on a, a variety of factors. But you're typically looking at around $15 all the way up to $50 per thousand visitors. So, you know, you can kind of do the math and as your visitors go up, the the monthly traffic goes up. But the good thing then is that's just the starting point. And there's a ton of different options for additional monetization. So Mark mentioned affiliate programs as well, where you've got traffic, your base monetization is display ads, and then you start working directly with uh, brands or companies in the space that sell a product or a service, and you drive traffic to those guys in exchange for a, a commission or a, or a cut on the sale. You can create your own digital products. You can create your own courses. You can create your own e-products where, you know, the profit margin is is huge. And again, it's a case then of you've got the traffic, you just find unique and innovative ways to monetize them. You might use that to build a newsletter and use the newsletter to drive 
traffic back to the website or you might use it to build a sponsorship of the newsletter. There's a ton of different options open for monetization once you have the traffic. So yeah, traffic really is the starting point. And once you have it, you can it opens up a lot of, of different opportunities. So Mark, let's talk about building traffic. We mentioned briefly SEO or search engine optimization, but explain for the audience again what search engine optimization is and how much can we as people manipulate that, especially maybe novices who are coming to this newly. I found myself that it's not an easy nut to crack if you don't want to put some time into it. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I mean, at the very highest level, search engine optimization is the is the the process of working out what people are searching for on the web um, via Google or other search engines, uh, and targeting those things that a lot of people are searching for. Because you know you don't want to, you don't want to be target writing an article about something that one person searches for in a, in a month. Uh, you know you want to have at least a certain amount of volume. So you have to kind of do an exercise of, of what's called keyword research up front, where you're going to explore what people are looking for. So there's a number of ways of, of doing that. We won't go into all the technicalities. We have a, a method that we share on our YouTube channel, um, which um, we call the tomb raiding method, which we've purposely made like process driven, very uh, easy to follow, I guess. So systemized, that's the word I was looking for, Adam. Thanks. Yeah, so a systemized process. So because it is because... If I did some keyword research and Adam did some keyword research and someone else did some keyword research, it's very open to interpretation. You go down your own rabbit holes and you have your own kind of styles and techniques. And running an agency, we wanted to make sure we maintain some consistency, but also just have a very descript way of and process-driven, uh, systemized way of doing things. So we, we we have something called the tomb raiding uh, technique, which which you can check out on our site. So if you are getting started, that's a great way to do it. Basically, it's a lot of competitor research. You're working, you're looking at people that are already successful in that space and saying, okay, I'm starting out. Here's where my site is. Like, how can I compete with them? What, what, what are they writing about that I can also write about and rank for and get some traffic for? So um, that's ultimately what we're trying to do with uh with search engine optimization. Adam, ultimately what we're talking about is creating good content, right? Good content that helps yeah. you sell things. Good content that really grabs the search engines and sends traffic your way. How much of that should we be doing ourselves versus maybe if you're more entrepreneurial, are you hiring that out? Because I know part of what you guys do there is actually create content, right? Yeah, for sure. So it is. It's all about creating useful, helpful content. In fact, recently there was a, a Google update literally called the Helpful Content Update where they're targeting they're promoting and pushing up content that, that Google deems helpful to the top of the results and demoting content that they deem unhelpful lower down. So it's all about creating quality content. Kind of to answer the second part of the question, it really depends if you are doing this yourself and it's a passion project and you're creating it and you've got a specific expertise in the niche that you're going into. You've probably got an advantage there because you are an expert and you can create extra helpful content. But for an investment purpose, most people will outsource their content, essentially. Um, and especially if they're starting out, it's really hard to understand what does Google think helpful content is? How is that meant to be structured on the website in technical terms? You know, how is the headings meant to be formatted? 
How do you optimize the piece of content to grab, you know, things like a featured snippet? If you've ever Googled something, you get the little bit of text at the top, or a couple of a couple of sentences that answers the question. That's called a featured snippet. You can optimize your piece of content the way it's written to try and win that on Google. So for someone that's brand new and starting out, it almost pays really to outsource the content, even for a short period of time, to understand how it's formatted, how it's written. And one of our services or, or our content service essentially is the full end-to-end service. So you come to us and you say, hey, I want to make a website all about reptiles. And we'll say, okay, awesome. We will do all that keyword research for you. We'll go out and we'll look at the competitors, the market, understand who's writing what and is it working for them? How much traffic is it driving? Do we think we can create content that's better than them? And if we can, do we think that it's possible that we could take that traffic from them? Um, and that, that's the way the plan is kind of pulled together. And then we've got a team of in-house writers. We create about four to four and a half million words of content every month. And that's all they do. They're specialists in creating this type of content. They're not creating an ebook today and a newsletter series tomorrow and then coming to write a bit of blog content today. They're just writing this content day in, day out, essentially. So they know how it's formatted. We've got a very specific way of doing that. Um, and then we've also got a, a team uh, after that, which then take that content and actually put it on the website for you. They'll upload it. They'll make sure it's formatted correctly. They make sure that it looks nice. There's images in there. Um, there's all other little technicalities. If you're using affiliate programs, that it links to the correct program and the tracking is correct and things. So for a beginner starting out thinking, where do I go? Outsourcing to someone that does the full end to end can be really beneficial because you can see this is what the keyword research looks like and what good keyword research looks like. And this is what good content looks like. And this is the way it should be presented on the website in the correct way. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of outsourcing uh, for that reason. And also outsourcing becomes necessary when you want to scale as well. It's impossible really to scale these types of websites if you're writing all the content yourself. I was about to say, Mark, we think a lot about content, but as Adam was talking about, it's not just the words, but how they actually appear on the screen and how you've organized your homepage and all the links, et cetera. It's a little bit more complicated than just having the right words, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, and no, it isn't. I would say like, absolutely. There's, you know, you can go deep. Like you talk to SEOs and you know, people that are into this space and, you know, they'll go deep talking about the the pros of this and the cons of that. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you get the keyword research right and you're writing good quality content, you're halfway there, to be mm. honest. Um, you know, ultimately over time, once you once you want your site to be more competitive in the space, you're going to need people linking to you. Now that comes naturally and organically once you start getting lots of traffic. But there are ways that you can kind of help help do that. And that's that we offer a digital PR service which does very much does that, which provides a site with some links which will google will see as a vote of confidence um but you know you sometimes you can overcomplicate it at the end of the day all you're doing is do good keyword research and good content and you're and, and you'll get you you get you a long way now there are little little knobs and things that you can tweak and and, and to improve things and additional stuff that you need to add to the, to the site there's something called schema which we won't go to into now but schema is becoming more important that's something you probably want to look at um but to start just getting started i think the biggest blocker for a lot of people is just getting started they just they they, they freeze they think they think oh, oh maybe i'm going to do a site on this on reptiles and then they 
they you know pro- procrastinate over that for a while and then you know and it just never get started so i think that yeah the, the two biggest problems we see is people just never getting started and, and just doing research forever and then people giving up too soon because it's not it's not something that happens overnight either you've got to you've got to work at it but yeah it, you can overcomplicate it so it can be quite simple but if you want to get down in the detail which you probably will over time once you start getting some traffic and you start seeing the money coming in um everyone kind of gets the bug a little bit then and uh then you can kind of start going into the detail a little bit more and becoming more professional with it. Adam, talk about the the changeable nature of algorithms, especially of search engines, because I imagine when I first learned what SEO was, which was in 2005, 2006, when I had my art website and my brother, who was incredibly knowledgeable about these things, says, well, you need changing content to catch the SEO so that you know the search engines are going to recognize you and there's changing content there. How much has it changed since, let's say, 2005? Is this something that's rapidly evolving from year to year? Yeah, it's it's massive. It, it changes month to month sometimes, uh, and it's especially so over the last two years in particular. I mean, it, it, it's Google, essentially. We talk about search engine optimization, but most of the organic traffic comes from Google. So when we talk about Google, uh, search engine updates and how it's changed, we're really talking about Google. In Google's defense, they're always... Their primary method, their primary business model essentially is to serve the user what they deem the best possible content and the best possible answer to the query to, to satisfy that search intent. So they want someone to Google something and the first result be exactly what they're looking for. Now, as Google's got smarter and cleverer over the years, the systems and algorithms that they put in place to understand what someone is searching for and understand the intent behind that, and then understand what the results should be based on that has changed massively. And they push out updates very frequently. There's, they push out poor updates, they're called. So, you know, you see a big change typically in the results on, on, on Google every, really every six months or so these days uh, or sooner. A big part about being successful in this space is staying ahead of those trends, understanding what Google is looking for and making sure that you are essentially always doing or always doing things which are in best practice. There's tons of people out there and there's tons of shortcuts. It's called black hat SEO um, where, you know, you can take advantage of different Google algorithms and you can take advantage of shortcuts and stuff, but typically they don't have longevity. They will work for a short period of time Google will understand what's going on and update their algorithm, and then all of a sudden you lose all your traffic. So even though things are changing rapidly, one thing which really can keep you safe is just thinking, put yourself in the shoes of of a user that's searching Google. Am I creating a website that I would be proud to show my friends and family and that answers the topic and covers the topic in full? And it's not just nonsense and fluff and stuffed with keywords trying to game the system or anything like that you, you've got to be thinking long term treating it as a business rather than a you know a short term trying to make some cash quick by getting my website at the top of google by using all these different shortcuts kind of thing We are talking to Adam Smith and Mark Mars, who are the co-founders of Niche Website Builders. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. 
Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up to date first party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, service key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking to Adam Smith and Mark Mars. They are experts in content production and niche site development, offering valuable insights on the growing trend of website investing. Adam, I want to talk about how realistic it is that some of our listeners could be getting into this business. So let's start with something fun. Tell me a success story. I mean, you work with people all the time. You provide them content. Tell me about someone you've worked with that you would point to and say, now, this is a success story. This is what it could look like. The biggest success story I think we've had really uh, is we worked with a client. They, it was the first website. They actually ran, um, they were actually uh, running a family office. They were in the investment space anyway. They'd heard about website investing and, and wanted to get started, but didn't really know anything. Kind of like, you know, they wanted to outsource everything. So they, they came to us. We kind of run through, we have uh, what we call growth packages, which are essentially for people that want to be aggressive. They've typically, you know, got investment that they want to put into something and, um, you know, you can start at various scales. Like Mark said, you can start off really slow and it just takes time, or you can actually bring a lot of investment up front and just shorten the time horizon typically. So he was on that end of the spectrum. We started working together in December 2021. Um, and we built the website. The website launched in January 2022. Okay. We, 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 he outsourced the whole project to us. We did the keyword research. We wrote the content. We actually built the website from scratch. An important part of this kind of uh, success story, I think, uh, and I don't want to get too technical about it, but it was built on what we call an aged, an aged domain. Um, and essentially that means the, 
the domain that we built on the www.domainname.com had been used in the past by another website, by another business, and it had been around for a long time. It had been around for about 20 years. And during that time, it was this other business in the past. It had built up a lot of history with Google, a lot of trust, and a lot of kind of brand equity uh, with the search engine. And then that business actually went out of business, and the owner of the domain name didn't register it. They didn't re-register it. So the domain name essentially expires uh, and we we picked it up or the client in this case the, the customer bought it he didn't kind of know what he was buying essentially bought it and came to us and said i bought this domain name can you help me can you help me build on it so we built the website and very quickly it took off within the first three months essentially it was making uh, a couple of thousand dollars a month uh, which is it's very quick we talk about seo and building these websites being a long-term thing this one for whatever reason, took off a lot quicker than you would typically expect. Rather than taking that cash flow and keeping it for himself, he decided to keep reinvesting that money back in. So we launched with a, a large amount of content and a quite aggressive. And then very quickly, within the first couple of months, he started reinvesting all of this money back in. And the site continued to grow very, very quickly. And within 12 months, he was making around $40,000 a month from the website. Um, so much so that he decided then that he was going to put his son in charge of the family office business, and he was going to actually focus on this business full time and turn it into a, an actual real business. And based on the kind of the way these websites are valued, they're typically valued at a 30 to 40x multiple of their monthly revenue. Within 12, a 12-month 12 period, that guy had an asset worth $1.4 to $1.6 million on his hand. And really, he'd invested about $250,000 into it. Um, but a lot of that actually become was reinvested from that monthly profit. So the return on that website was just insane uh, for him. And, and I'd point out here something that maybe people don't realize. When Adam talks about family offices, usually what a family office is, especially in the United States, is it's a very wealthy family, often billionaires or hundreds of millionaires. And they have a family office which basically the whole goal of that family office is to get outsized returns. And that's because this family office supports a family, which is usually lots and lots of people. And just getting your basic S&P 500 index returns usually is not good enough for them. So just something to think about if the family offices are starting to go into the website business, it's kind of a sign that this is the place, at least at the moment where outsized returns are available. So Mark, if I'm Joe Schmo, and I'm looking at getting into this business, first and foremost, am I looking at starting one website or am I look, really looking at this idea of having a portfolio of websites? Well, first, nice to meet you, Joe. Um, <laughs> it's a good question because like you know, we've, we've already spoken about some websites take off more quickly than others. Therefore, it's tempting to like, want to start multiple sites. Now, it really depends on, on your budget your, and your ambition and, and that kind of thing. But for most people, we say you've got to start with one site and, and make that a success, um, whether it takes off quickly or whether it takes off slowly. Keep focusing on one site because if you try and spread yourself too thin over multiple sites, none of them are going to be successful. So you need to focus on one and really, really put all your time and effort or money into that uh, to try and make that one as that first one a success. You can make that one a success and ultimately sell it. Then you've kind of got money to reinvest like further down the road and then start building out a portfolio. And that's how. 
both Adam and I started, and I know how a lot of people start. They make the success of their first one, they make some money, and then they they maybe start a couple and then outsource a lot of the work and, and kind of grow and maybe a couple of sites and and then you can kind of get into that situation down the road where some of it's cash flow, some of it is you sell, as I mentioned before. But you also you get this kind of luxurious position where you have multiple horses in the race, and some are just gonna just gonna perform, and you can't always explain it, but some are just gonna perform better than others, and that's where then you should really be reinvesting the majority of your money on those ones that are the star performers in your portfolio. So it gives you the luxury of not having to wait if it's waiting. If some of them are slower and some of them are faster, just invest in the fast ones. And you tend to get, get to the sale quicker. You tend to get that money back that you can kind of then reinvest. And it's like a flywheel effect. But ultimately, you want to get to a portfolio because that lowers your risk as well in terms of Google or anything else. If a Google update comes down and crushes the traffic for one of your sites, you've got others to kind of fall back on. So you do want to get there, but you, you don't want to try and do it too fast now. The, the guy that Adam talked about, actually, he started around, I think it was four websites, Adam, because um, he had money to invest. And this one was the outsized winner. So, you know, we just kept reinvesting in that one. And the other ones kind of, we just we just kept ticking along. So, you know, we, we do have people that are investors that come to us and say, yeah, I get it. I understand it. I don't want to wait. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to get going and just do four of them, you know, uh, but they've got, they've got the resources to be able to go big on all four and not, you know, the, the situation you don't want to get in is like where you're just spreading yourself too thin, as I mentioned. If you can, you, that's great. Great for you. Um, but for most people, it's just start, start on one site and focus really hard on that. Adam, you're kind of killing my groove here because I was like dreaming of setting up a website, having it pretty much on auto drive and just collecting the passive income. But as you guys are talking about, it's quite a bit of work, especially in the beginning. This is not a passive investment, is it? If you are doing it yourself, then it's anything but passive. It's very, it's hard work. <laughs> it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And it's a, um, yeah, it's it, it, it's like it's like any other business. The more you put in, the more you get out. It can be relatively passive, though, if you are if you want to outsource it, and essentially that's the whole reason we set up our business. We understand that there are people out there that either don't want to learn this kind of thing, don't have the time, or you know they they just want to have someone, another expert, take on all of this these tasks for them, and it can be pretty passive. So it, it really depends on on how you approach it, and if you want it to be passive, it can be. It's never going to be a hundred percent passive. I think anybody promising anything that's a hundred percent passive is, you know, they're pulling your leg essentially. There's always stuff that you you have to you have to to take control of it yourself in certain aspects. And but but lots of the the heavy lifting can be can be outsourced and and it can be pretty passive for you. Mark, talk about competition. I mean, aren't there a hundred guys just like you ready to jump in and steal your thunder once you get established? So Adam and I would work with uh, like Upwork, Upworker, Up sorry, Upwork, and places like that to try and get to some stuff for our own website portfolios when we first started out. And there were a couple of agencies that did similar to what Niche Website Builders uh, does, not quite the full end-to-end, hands-off kind of service, but they did something. But we were never happy with the quality of the work that they provided. Um, so we were always uh, on Upwork trying to hire some people, and then you know you'd. you'd end up giving 20 people a trial to find one good person and then 
that good person and is they disappear off and you can never contact them again. So whatever, you know, it's just issues of dealing with freelancers in that kind of capacity. So we, Adam and I actually just said, we, we, we met online through this shared uh, interest and we said, let's, uh, let's uh, just pull our money. We'll, we'll get some staff in that are our staff that we can train to do it our way. We'll pull our resources and we'll, they'll work on just our portfolios and we'll, um, and we'll, we'll pay them between us. So we started that and we, we already had started doing some case studies out to our a community as well. We had a Facebook group and a blog and kind of was starting to get known um, for the case study that we were, we were sharing and because we share you know everything that we do from beginning to end, we still do now. And, uh, and we just start offered, offered our team out to some people and then it just took off from there. So the business exploded, um, uh, because there was a gap in the market and really, I mean, there are people that do stuff, similar stuff to us now. Still, we would argue that we still do it the best, the, yeah. better than anybody, of course. Um, but we really do, you know, we, we stay, we stay on the forefront of what we do. We do it. Um, one thing that sets us apart is that Adam and I still have our own portfolios. We, we, we walk the walk as well as talk the talk, which you can't really say for a, a lot of other similar uh, agencies in our space. But Mark, let me take it kind of the step further. I'm not just talking about you guys and your business, but what if mm-hmm. I'm out there making a website? I mean, how at risk am I ah, right. to have a competitor come and look at the same niche that I'm in, especially if I'm being successful and kind yeah. of steal my thunder? Absolutely, right? There's there's not many niches out there that haven't already been tapped into. So uh, most niches, you're going to have competition. They're, they're, they're saturated. In fact, that's a that's actually a red flag. If you find a if you find a space where you think, "Hey, there's no website doing this," then I could be the the only one and the first one. I could clear, clean up. Actually, probably people have tried it before, and there's a reason why that space doesn't work. It's actually a bad sign. Absolutely, yeah, there are other competitors, but you just got to do it better than them. That's, that makes it sound simple, but also you can go very very narrow on kind of the things that you focus on. So you could kind of be the the best site in a very, very narrow, specific part of the niche that you're working in. Uh, and that's really kind of how the keyword research uh, works. You're looking for those opportunities within a space where actually they're a little bit more underserved, where you can compete and and win out. And once you start getting that traffic, you start to get that trust from Google, you start to get credibility for being an authority within that niche, and it then becomes easier to write uh, around other uh, all the other topics in that niche as well and it goes from there so yes you will have competition but there's there's ways that you can kind of still be successful when you're starting out uh, with a new website or a, a younger website then it's you are one of those new guys trying to compete but once you've become established in the space which i think is what you're talking about jordan where you're established but then you've got new websites coming after you you already got the traffic and you've got new websites coming after you the goal then shifts from, you know, you've got the traffic. The goal then shifts to how do you build a moat around that business and that website? And this is really what we are teaching people now, essentially, is to treat the website not just as a website, as a, a blog to make money, but to treat it as a real business and to build your moat. And you can do that in a number of different ways. You can do that by creating a community around the space. Um, you can do that, like I say, by creating newsletters, by digital products. You can do that by doing digital PR. Um, digital PR actually is is a very good way to build a moat around the business. You think about 
digital PR as as in you are doing outreach to journalists with unique data sets and unique angles and trying to get them to run with stories that you've created uh, to link back to your website. That can result in webs links from incredible websites. You know, we're talking about Forbes and CNN and New York Times where you 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 couldn't really buy links from. It's really hard to get links from. And if you run a digital PR campaign for an extended period of time and you get those kinds of links, it's very hard then for newcomers to come in and replicate that in a quick or, or over a short period of time, essentially. So you can build that moat around you in, in certain different ways to ensure that even if new websites do come in, you make it as hard as possible for them to compete and take those spots away from you. So, Mark, we've created these niche sites we've built our moat we've got our seo going we're churning away with our income through ads and affiliates and maybe we've got a course or a product and we're starting to think now is the time to really cash in tell me about how you go about selling a website there's a number of different ways you can sell through private deals so um, adam and i have kind of i guess Got some connections now, so we that, that kind of makes it easier for us. But there are ways that you can find people that are interested in buying and selling. We have a Facebook group called Niche Website Flippers. It has around 25,000 members where people are selling generally at a lower level or buying and selling kind of websites. So um, so you can kind of go, find communities like that where you can kind of buy and sell websites. The, the thing is, if you're new, you could, you just got to be careful like what you're buying. We don't, we don't vet the sites that are on there, they're at people's own risk. We couldn't possibly vet all of them that, are, that, that arrive on, on, on our Facebook group. And then generally for like higher level uh, websites, um, Marketplace is, 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 is one of the places, is somewhere that you would buy and sell websites. So they're, they're essentially, you know, places, yeah, like, like an eBay for websites, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, there's one called, one called Empire Flippers. There's one called FE International uh, Investors Club. We're actually launching our own marketplace in in a few weeks' time. We're rebranding, got a new website, um, so we're actually launching our own marketplace as well, um, where we'll we'll we, we will be actually vetted. So anything that comes onto our platform, we'll give it the once over and make sure that it's a credible business. That you know, we've had we've had customers in the past that have bought sites from different places where people have sent them false information about how much the site was earning or how much traffic it was getting. And they were just too na naive to understand how to verify that and make sure that, that what the, that person was saying was true and have lost, you know, a lot of money in, in those kind of transactions. So a, a safer place is a, a, a marketplace because you get some protection from there. So, yeah, we, you know, we'll have a, a marketplace too where everything's vetted that goes onto the platform and we'll, we'll we help both the buyer and the seller kind of make that deal happen for for a, for a commission, essentially. So if Adam, someone is listening right now and they're like, I want in, what is usually the first step if you're considering getting into the website business? Well, so you, you've got two options really to consider. The first one is, am I going to buy a website that's already cash flowing? The downside to that essentially is you're going to pay a higher price because you're paying a multiple on that revenue. So I want to buy a website today that's making thousand dollars a month i'm going to pay thirty five forty thousand dollars for for that today if that is the case and and you know you want the cash flow from day one and you've got that capital to invest up front 
it's a, really as simple as go into some of these marketplaces and start looking at the deals, essentially, understanding what kind of websites are for sale on there. There's display ad websites that we've mentioned. There's affiliate type websites. There's people's websites that sell products on Amazon, for example. There's a ton of different business models uh, that are out there. Um, understanding them, getting comfortable with them, um, listening to podcasts and episodes that people talk about buying and selling. Uh, like Mark mentioned earlier, we've got our own kind of YouTube channel and podcast, and we've had guests on there talk about buying websites, selling websites. Me and Mark have shared a ton of our own experience of buying websites, selling websites, what we've done to them, how we found them, and that kind of thing. So that's option one. The The second option really is, is deciding that I don't want to buy a website. I want to build a website from scratch where the cash flow isn't from day one, obviously, because like we say, it takes time, but typically the return is is a lot higher over the duration. I'm talking like, you know, a three-year period, essentially. Typically what we find is the ROI is higher uh, because you haven't had to put that massive amount of money out up front. And in that case, you either decide that you want to do it yourself and you get comfortable doing the keyword research and writing the content and doing all those things, or you find a partner to help you with that, such as ourselves, um, who can then kind of guide you through the process. So really, it's the first step is just deciding which route do you want to go down and, and from there, understanding what the options are with each route. Mark, what's the biggest mistake newbies make? Well, the, I think the biggest mistake is kind of, as I mentioned before, it's like they 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 take too long to get started. They don't. They probably don't understand the at the amount of effort that kind of has to go into it and they underestimate that effort and you've got to really be kind of mentally strong if you're going to do this yourself that you're going to commit to this and you're going to you're going to follow through on that as well and i think that's probably the biggest mistake that people make from the begin at the beginning like they they underestimate like just how much uh work it's going to take if they if they're doing it themselves well, Adam and Mark, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. I think this is a time where we're all looking at diversifying our portfolio. We're looking at ways of protecting our wealth. On top of that, many people have dreamed of this idea of building websites that eventually start bringing in income at night while you're sleeping, during the day, while you're doing other things. What you guys have made it clear is there is some work involved. And certainly if you have some capital, there's actually the know-how out there to help you do this. Uh, but this can be a way to bring in returns, especially in this time when we're all looking at alternative investments, because we're thinking that the stock market, the S&P 500 index, the total stock market index may not bring in as good returns as we thought it was going to over the next 10 years. And this is a viable place to invest money and start a business. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you both what's coming up next for niche website builders and how people can reach out to you. So Adam, why don't you first tell us what is coming up next in your business? Sure. So Mark already kind of mentioned it there. We're launching a marketplace to complete the whole cycle. At the moment, we can help you build a website and scale a website. But we, we don't have that final step of selling a website. So the marketplace will allow the full life cycle where you can buy a website and we can help you grow it or we can build a website, grow it, and then you can kind of exit it. Um, and then essentially, you know, we're still what we would consider a, a startup. We're a three and a half year old company. We've grown very quickly. We're over 100 full-time employees now, but we're still ambitious. We still think that there's more we can do. We want to essentially be the the go-to company for anybody that's interested in 
growing, developing, building, buying, selling these kinds of content websites. And that's essentially what our next three to four years looks like is growing, taking us there and, and providing as much value to our customer base and our audience as we possibly can. And Mark, what is the best way to learn more about you guys or possibly even hire you in the future? Yes, there's a number of ways you can get hold of us. So our website to start with is nichewebsite.builders. When we rebrand, you get redirected, so there's no worries there. Um, But nichewebsite.builders is the place you want to go. We have a YouTube channel. Search for Niche Website Builders on YouTube as well, and you'll find us there. Uh, We have a few Facebook groups. So one's called Niche Website Builders. Notice the, the theme there. Another one's called uh, Niche Website Flippers. We also have a podcast, which is uh, Niche Website Builders too. Um, so we, the, the podcast goes li- goes on to our YouTube channel, so you can watch it in video form as well. But we also have live streams on our YouTube, which don't feature on our podcast. So you want to subscribe both places. We, we cover different stuff on the live streams versus the, the podcast. Podcasts are generally interviews like this. Live streams are often tactics and strategies and uh, and things like that. So... Yeah, that's probably the best places to to find us. Well, Adam Smith and Mark Mars, thank you guys very much for coming on Earn and Invest and teaching us about the commerce of websites. Thanks, Thanks Jordan. It's been great. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. I want to take a moment to talk about the return of investment on building a website and also how that led to the Earn and Invest podcast. If you're confused, that's appropriate because ultimately, if you've heard my story, those things have nothing to do with each other. But the truth is, they do. When I first started my medical practice, well, let me go back even a little further than that. When I was in residency, I bought my first home. It was a town home, and we had these huge open walls, and I wanted to decorate them. And I was at the local mall, and there was an art gallery, and I started looking at artwork there, and I fell in love with these big figurative paintings. The problem was they were all a few thousand dollars each, and I was a resident. I didn't have a huge salary. I wasn't going to go spend a few thousand dollars to put artwork on my walls. This was uh, the early 2000s, and eBay had just become a thing at that point. And I started looking up on eBay, and I found some of these same artists, some of the same artwork, but it was a half or a third of the price that I found in the art gallery. And I had one of those aha light bulb moments. I said, boy, I could buy this artwork on eBay, then build my own website and sell it for more money, or even sell it back on eBay for higher prices. And that's exactly what I did. Over the next year or two, I bought between $100,000 and $200,000 worth of artwork. I created a website and sold that artwork. And in the end, I made maybe $10,000, $20,000. I didn't make a lot of money, but it was a lot of fun. But to do this, I had to build my own website. This was going to be the way that I hit it rich. I was going to buy artwork, put it up on the website, have people order it from me, and then make a killing. And so I went and used the basic tools that were available to me, and I built this website. I called it fineartdoctor.com. It used to be fineartdoctor.com. That's where I sold my artwork. 
And after having this site up for a month or two, my brother, who is very much into blogging and understands search engine optimization, etc., he said, you know what you need to do in order for these search engines to really recognize your site, for you to have good SEO, you need some changing content. So he suggested writing a blog and connecting the blog to the website that sold artwork and therefore search engines like Google would notice that I was writing these blog posts really often. It was connected to my art site and my art site would move up in the Google rankings. So that's exactly what I did. I started a blog about artwork and I did it for a few months, posting once or twice a week. And it was so flat and boring because I just wasn't ignited by talking about artwork. I liked blogging. I liked writing, but artwork didn't do it for me. I loved selling artwork, but not writing about it. And so one day I was probably clicking around the Google browser and I typed in Dr. Blogs. And I found a series of physician blogs and my mind was blown. Here were doctors talking about medicine, talking about their experiences, talking about exactly what I was going through and they were writing it out there for an audience. So I took my fineartdoctor.com website. I changed the blog and I was writing about art. And eventually I started writing about medicine. And that turned into my medical blog, In My Humble Opinion, which I really wrote from about 2003, 2004 to 2018. And there I wrote about being a doctor, what it felt like. I told some stories. I discussed my frustrations. I talked a little bit about politics. And I really got a following at that website. Now, when I was writing about being a physician, I wasn't making money. So remember, I started by selling artwork on fineartdoctor.com. The blog was supposed to help me get web traffic. Now I was just writing out of passion about medicine. I wasn't making any money. And by that time, I had even stopped selling artwork. So I think over the few years I sold artwork, I made ten dollars or $20,000 worth of money as well as I had some excess pieces, which I then hung around my house. But I didn't make a huge amount of money doing this, although it was a lot of fun. But now I was just blogging because I had this inner urge to talk about medicine and what it felt like. And then in 2014, this guy, Jim Dolly, wrote me, The White Coat Investor. He had written a book called The White Coat Investor, and he wanted me to do a review of his book on my blog because I had enough of following in this medical blog that he thought it would help with book sales. And so I read his book and I went down the rabbit hole of personal finance. And that's how I discovered the Financial Independence Retire Early movement. That is where I became interested in personal finance. And then again, I pivoted. So I had made some money on my fine art website. I made almost no money on my medical blog. And then I started Diversify, a financial blog. And there I wrote about financial independence. It is what helped become my online diary, my accountability journal, the way I eventually left my job and started living a much freer, open life where I was using my money to serve me as opposed to me serving my money. And eventually, as you guys know, the blog led to the podcast, which is now called Earn and Invest. All of this, everything I've done started with building a website, a website to make money. So what was my return on investment? 
Well, I didn't make a huge amount of money by selling art. I made almost no money about blogging about medicine, and I haven't even tried to make a huge amount of money by blogging, podcasting, or even writing a book about personal finance. On the other hand, the return of investment has been huge. I learned how to invest in the stock market, something that I had never known before, and the returns on that have been great. Since I started that website, I've started a bunch of other businesses. I've started side hustles. I ran my own medical practice. None of these things would have happened unless I went out and started that first website. My return on investment has been huge. So when you listen to an episode like this on Earn and Invest, and you hear these two guys who've come on to talk about building websites and how to make money doing it, you may say, boy, I don't want to do that. I want to invest in the stock market. Why is this all this talk here about alternative investments on Earn and Invest? Isn't Doc a big fan of just putting your money in the S&P 500 index or the total market index? And the answer is yes. I'm a fan of doing all those simple things, but alternative investments are not just investments in money and are not just investments in returns. They're also investments in life experience. Sometimes the ROI isn't a change in our net worth. Sometimes the ROI isn't a change in our bank account. Sometimes the ROI is the unexpected wealth we build because of these experiences. Awesome. I leave things running just for a few minutes as we chat as part of the after show. Um, I think it's fascinating, but I love this idea that we should be really diversifying our portfolio with some alternative assets. And right now, websites are a really fruitful one. And I think people don't realize, I mean, we've we've all heard about the big sales and especially so I'm part of the personal finance and the financial independence retire early world. And so we all know of people who've sold their sites for six or seven figures. Um, yeah. But that's like one small cut of it. There are a lot of people making some good income every month and making maybe six to seven figures on selling their site as opposed to, as opposed to higher. But a lot of people are doing very well. Yeah, it's so tr- it's so true about not knowing, uh, you know, not people not knowing about it. Like I was in, I was in, I ran my own digital marketing agency and was in SEO for like ten years before I even considered doing it for myself and understanding what money can be made from blogs. Like, and I was in that space. Let alone people that are not even in the space. I think same for you, Adam. Right? If that light bulb suddenly goes off. Of like, hang on, like you can make money from how much from blogs and i've got all the skills you know personally all the skills that you need uh, to do that yeah so it's yeah it, it, and that's one of the big things we're trying to do we're trying to raise awareness um and this is why we're doing things like this is with investors and look, people are looking for alternative investments and just try to raise the profile of that tech moves fast so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. 
It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.